Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their world. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Conflict management, the tough conversations. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. Each and every week, we have a conversation around one of the core competencies outlined in The Complete Leader. It is a book by Ron Price and Randy Lisk. Ron Price has years of management experience running multi-million dollar international companies and leading executives, sometimes through the tough conversations that we're going to talk about today. And Ron, always great to be with you. Thank you, Dale. It's good to be with you today for this conversation. So conflict management, it's one of the core competencies in The Complete Leader. Regular listeners of the podcast know this podcast definitely stands alone as we dive deeper into each of these core competencies. But we also recommend that folks grab that book and read through it as well. So today, it's a it's the beginning part one of a two-part series on conflict management. And a lot of folks me included, like to avoid conflict. So let's talk about the role (laughs) of a leader in diving head into conflict when it needs to happen. Yeah, I think that's, uh, for most of us, a human condition, Dale. Most of us prefer to avoid conflict because we see it as being a big energy waste and it takes our time and focus and oftentimes makes us not like ourselves as much when we get in the middle of conflict. But the reality is that there are two different kinds of conflict. So we have to break it down into those two sections, which is why I think we'll, we'll actually uh, put part of this off to our next podcast when we can talk about the second part. The first part of conflict is referred to as ideological conflict, or we could call it good debate. The second part is interpersonal conflict. That's when we end up in conflict with other people because of relational tensions, because of a loss of trust, or we feel a loss of integrity in the relationship or something like that. So today I'd like to focus on the first ideological conflict or debate. It's really important to making good decisions in In reality, this is true, whether it's at home or at work, Uh, wherever we're with other people, the idea is that we need an environment that makes room for different ideas so that we can get a variety of options for solving a problem or for making decisions or that we have more ideas that we're feeding into that funnel of planning a better future for ourselves. So in this context, it's really important for us to have an environment of openness where everybody feels comfortable sharing their ideas. They don't feel that they're going to be attacked for their ideas. They feel that they're being going to be given a reasonable audience. And one of the ways that we refer to this, this is creating a space of psychological safety so that people don't hold back, but they share their ideas for how we're going to solve a problem or make a decision or create a future. So let's take a look at, at this idea of, of debating ideas. And I think about, I think I've even heard you tell the story or, or set up the scenario that if you have a leader proposing an idea in a meeting and there is not some level of vigorous debate about the idea, the idea isn't that great and should not move forward until at least we yeah. see that level of, of debate. So let's work through that process and what does that look like? Yes. So let's say that somebody comes into a meeting with a new idea. And I'm not saying that just because it hasn't been debated, it's not a good idea. But because it hasn't been debated, we don't know 
whether it's a good idea or not. We have to test it. We have to think about other alternatives. So often in our leadership, it's a question of priorities. It's a question of because we can't do everything, we have to choose to do the important thing. And how do we know that if we don't have a good, vigorous uh, conversation around that? So it's really about creating this space where there can be alternatives before making a decision. And one of the reasons that's valuable is because every single person who comes into a discussion, whether it's two or it's 20, has a different way of viewing it. I like uh, Steve Morris, one of our faculty members, tells the story of being with a group of engineers. And these engineers told him that if you took two Lego blocks, the, the ones that have the eight little posts on them, that you can create 24 different combinations with those two Legos. But if you went to six Legos of the same size, you can create 915 million combinations. So the idea is that the more pieces we have to the puzzle, the more options we have. And of course, people come with a lot more complexity than just Lego blocks. So when we create an environment where we can turn over and look from different angles and, and take advantage of different people's filters and perspectives and styles and worldviews. We can bring all of that into a conversation about a decision or solving a problem or what kind of a future we want to create. We create a much richer conversation. And the truth is most people who develop this skill will tell you that even though the first idea might be a good idea, rarely is it the best idea. But the way we get from good to best is through these conversations where we're encouraging people to speak up and to challenge our thinking and to offer other alternatives. And that's what we're really hoping to get to in creating this uh, environment of ideological debate. So I'm not going to be able to walk into a meeting this afternoon snap my fingers and say, we're going to have a vigorous debate about an idea I'm going to put on the table. It really requires a cultural foundation uh, within an organization to be able to debate different ideas. Let's talk, let's, let's get to the foundational issue and how do we create that culture where open, honest dialogue is invited and celebrated? Yeah, well, you're absolutely right, Dale. Culture is really where we find and create that environment for open debate, for vigorous and meaningful debate. And culture has been defined as the assumptions, the values, or the beliefs that drive our organizational behavior. So if the culture in your organization is that the boss is always right, that the boss always knows more, that the boss always sees more than the rest of us, you're probably not going to have very much open debate because the assumption is the boss is right, or it could be the boss doesn't tolerate other people's opinions or ideas or suggestions. Either of those are assumptions, values, or beliefs that drive our organizational behavior. And because of that, if you want to create a different culture, you have to recognize that it's not just flipping a switch. It's not getting together and having a meeting and announcing that we're going to have another culture. You build a culture layer by layer, experience by experience over time. And the quickest way to create that culture is to give people new experiences that reflect the kind of culture that you want to have. And then to tell them stories that reinforce that culture. So the biggest thing that creates that culture of openness and great dialogue is the way the leader establishes um, the environment 
the way that they create this space or this culture. And so I go back to earlier skills that we've been talking about that are a part of the complete leader model, the complete leader program, empathy, the ability to listen and develop a deep understanding of somebody else's experience or what emotions they're experiencing. That's a skill that as you develop that as a leader, you become a better listener and becoming a better listener invites other people to offer suggestions, to offer ideas. Understanding and evaluating others is another skill that's important because that helps a leader choose to have the right people in the room. It, we're, we're not talking about where you just bring everybody together and let everybody throw their ideas. That, that can be kind of chaotic. You, you have to make some choices about who are the best people to be in the room to talk about this particular issue who will bring us their wisdom and their perspective in a way that enriches the conversation overall. So understanding and evaluating those people's natural strengths and where they can contribute the most is a part of creating this environment. Of course, persuasion is important because it helps a leader to develop the debating skills of his or her team. So what do I mean by that? Well, we know that persuasion comes from three things. It's the credibility somebody brings into the conversation before they've ever opened their mouth. And then it's how logically they can lay out an idea or a vision. And then it's the degree to which they can attach conviction and a healthy, a positive emotion to that. So if a leader develops a group of persuasive people. In other words, people who have these skills of persuasion, you're going to be creating an environment that makes this dialogue or this debate of ideas much easier to happen. And then of course, negotiation, another one of the skills that we have in the complete leader is important because negotiation helps a leader to prevent immediately jumping into interpersonal conflict or a matter of personal power issues and instead to focus on issues and to create a variety of options and to develop good criteria for evaluating those options. So these are all skills that help to create that kind of culture or that environment that will make it very easy for you to have great ideological debate. Probably the most important job of that leader is to bring all these skills together to create that psychological safety, or some people refer to it as the ability to have civil conversations. Dale, unfortunately, um, for most of our politics today around the world, they're not a good example of creating this kind of an environment. Usually politics is about getting votes first and then what you do with the power once you have it. And unfortunately, the quickest way for people to get votes, they think, is to attack the intent or the motive of the other side. So if they can make the other side look evil, then they get a vote. But then when it comes time to legislate or it comes time to govern, that's going to work against them because now we have created so much distrust and we've, we've destroyed this idea of a space of psychological safety. So we can't have good ideological debate because we're always looking at this power play for who's going to win the next election. So we sort of have to reject the way we see it happening in politics if we want to build strong ideological debate inside of our organization. So some ideas for how you can create civil conversations. One would be to not interrupt other people. Just give them a chance to say everything they want to say, even if you think you know what they're going to say before they've gotten it all out. And then take time to carefully consider what they're saying. I think it's beautiful when you're with a group of leaders and there's white space between what people are saying. In other words, there's a pause where we respect what they've said so much that we're taking time to absorb it. 
And we're not just jumping in to responding the first chance that we get. And then, of course, as a leader, it's to continue to ask for more ideas. Who else has another idea? Not a better idea. Who else has another idea? Who has another way of looking at this? Who's thinking about this differently than what we've discussed? A leader that asks those kinds of questions and a leader who develops a habit of not speaking first but speaking last, or at least later in the conversation. And a leader that guides this conversation through good questions is a leader that's going to create this culture, this environment of psychological safety that eventually is going to cause people to blossom in the way that they share their ideas. And it's going to create a lot more alternatives for you to choose from. Another way that you can work on developing better and better ideological debate in the way that you approach decision-making and problem-solving is to set up what I refer to as debate labs. This is where it's almost like a game with your team where you uh, teach them fundamental debating skills. And even though a lot of people may have taken a debate class in high school or in college, if you don't practice this, you lose it. So what we'll often do is we'll take a topic that doesn't have anything to do with the organization in a debate lab. And we'll ask people to line up on one side or other of that topic. So I, re I remember doing it with the senior leadership team from a healthcare system. And I said, okay, let's look at global warming. How, who wants to argue in favor of global warming? Who wants to argue against it? And they line up for and against. Then I said, okay, now you have to take the opposite side. <laughs> because when we're developing debating skills, it's not about what our underlying convictions are. It's about learning how to think rationally. It's learning about how to build a strong argument for something and for that to be driven by rationale. Now, the emotion does come later. So we might do that two or three or four times with different issues that don't relate specifically to the organization. And as we see that they're developing more capabilities, more skills to think and communicate in a rational way, and then to demonstrate some conviction behind it. Then we'll pick one of the issues that's live for them. It's relevant to them and we'll say, okay, now let's take what we've learned about developing our capacity for good debate and let's apply it to this situation. And the reason I like to do it this way is that almost always the issues that we're dealing with inside an organization are emotional. We develop an emotional bias or preference right up front that oftentimes gets in the way of us developing good ideological debating skills. So I like to work outside of the, another way of saying it is I like to create a practice field before we get into the game because we can develop our skills. We can work on the mechanics of our debating skills in the practice field in a way that's much more difficult once we're dealing with a live issue that we all care about. So these are some ways that people can expand their abilities to be creative and to develop their own criteria for evaluating ideas and to work as a team around this idea of ideological debate. I love the idea of the debate labs and it's fun, a fun exercise to have with, with a group to, it takes the pressure off because you're not talking about something specific to the business, but it's something that uh, everybody, most people in the room are going to have an interest in and definitely will have an opinion about. Yeah, and here what we're really focused on is developing skills, not necessarily advocacy. So the difference between these developing the skills is something that you're going to be able to use throughout your whole career, throughout your every aspect of your life. Advocacy is when you care deeply about something and you want to advance it. Both are important, 
But if you don't develop the debate skills to begin with, you won't be as effective as an advocate when it really counts. Absolutely. So summarize where we've where we're at now with uh, this first piece in the conflict puzzle that we're talking about, ideological conflict. Well, first of all, we want to distinguish between a good exchange of ideas or ide- ideological debate, which we've been talking about today, and interpersonal conflict, which we're going to talk about in another podcast. Interpersonal conflict, by the way, has been shown by research to always be counterproductive, to never be helpful for a team. So that's why we're going to take it up next. To build this idea of ideological debate, the leaders responsible for establishing and protecting space that makes it easy, that makes it inviting for a variety of ideas and perspectives. So another way that we talk about it is that the leader's responsibility is to create a psychologically safe environment. And this creates the right kind of culture for a better exchange of ideas. Once we have that culture, learning how to share those ideas in a compelling manner is a skill that needs to be learned and practiced. And so in order to do this, teams have to work at it. They have to pre- they just can't assume that they're already going to be good at it. They have to create time and space to practice these skills and get better and better and better. So as you do that, you'll continue to learn. You'll continue to develop better negotiating skills, empathy, the ability to understand other people's unique contributions. All of these other skills we've been talking about come into play so that we can both create and lead a much stronger environment for great ideological conversations that lead to better decisions, better solutions to problems, and that create a better future. So give us a preview uh, for what to expect next week as we talk through the idea of the interpersonal conflict. Well, we're going to get on the... uh, Uh, undoubtedly the more emotional side of conflict management, that's interpersonal conflict, which is when we end up at odds with somebody, where does it come from? How does it emerge? How can we prevent it? And when it happens, how can we resolve it? Fantastic. Ron Price, co-author of The Complete Leader and also co-author of The Innovator's Advantage. And uh, that book is out now, and I definitely encourage you to pick up both. Any other final words for us, Ron? Well, I look forward to carrying on the conversation, Dale. Thank you very much. Absolutely. You have a wonderful week. And this is the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast in iTunes so that each and every week when a new edition is released, it pops up right there in your feed. While you're there, if you would rate and review the podcast, we would definitely appreciate it. It's easy to do. Uh, Hopefully we've earned those five stars from you. Write a sentence or two as a review on what you find useful about this podcast, the actionable ideas that Ron brings every week and diving deeper into one of the core competencies of The Complete Leader. And if you haven't done so already, pick up the book, The Complete Leader. This is The Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to The Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org. 